I'm Beth. And I'm Casey. And we're Rated F. Hey guys, welcome to Rated F. We're very excited to be doing our very first podcast here. We thought we should uh, let you guys know why we decided we wanted to do this. You know, you don't just decide to do a podcast. There's always a reason and a lot of work that goes into it beforehand. So we just thought we'd give you a few minutes for, here at the beginning, just let you know uh, who we are and what we're about here. I love television. Uh, I've always been drawn to it since I actually was behind the scenes of my first uh, set ever. And I love watching everything back behind the scenes. I like getting to know what's going on with all of the different cast members and following a lot of different genres and styles of TV. Having my unique view and having everyone else's unique view, I thought it'd be really awesome to do a female podcast where we can share how as females we have similar thoughts, but how we have very different thoughts when it comes to television as well. So it's an all-female perspective and during this time when everybody's eyes are kind of always on females. I think it's interesting to see, like Beth said, how we're so different, but we're also very similar. And I think if you combine the two, you'll see that where we have opinions, but they're not necessarily things that you would expect. And I think there's always a expectation for women in TV and what we like, and that's not always true. So I think you'll find in this podcast, we all have very unique TV show opinions. I was interested in doing this podcast because with TV, I never really watched TV live. I always watch TV on my DVR and catch up with shows two or three episodes at a time. In the past year, I've learned that watching TV shows live is, you know, a huge bonus and works well for ratings for the shows. And you really uh, need to do that for, you know, getting shows renewed and all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to do a podcast about TV getting people interested in TV. I also like the all-female view. Uh, there's been a lot of, you know, there's been an influx of, you know, female directors, female writers. You see that a lot on TV right now. And I love having a podcast centered around females where we get the opportunity to talk about them. Our next topic of discussion is our top three favorite TV shows of the 2000s until the present day. I'm going to go first. For me, my top three TV shows are The Brave, Blood and Treasure, and The Outpost. And I think we can all agree with The Brave that the writing was just excellent. It always kept us on the edge of our seat. It gave us characters that we enjoyed watching every week. The best part about that was that the team felt like a family. And a lot of times in military shows, there is that aspect of your team not feeling like a family. And this cast did really well with that. From day one, they always felt like a family. And I think that makes a difference on screen. The cast and the creative team, they were always social. They were always active on social media. That always helped as well because we always got a look behind the scenes of when they were shooting and what was going on. And I think that really helps out as well. With the second show, Blood and Treasure, that I am a fan of, is the same thing. The creative team is very active on social media. They live tweet every episode. East Coast time. No, Matt, does, Coast, Matt yeah. does West Coast. Matt and Mark do West Coast. And this show is just entertaining. It's a fun show. It's not, you're not looking for a show like this to be super factual about history or anything like that. I know a lot of archaeologists have been complaining that it's not true some of the things aren't true and you know if I wanted to watch a documentary I would go and watch a documentary but this show is fictional you know it gives us a little bit of of a 
a hint at some of the history that goes on. And it's just fun. It's an entertaining show. And I really love that about that. And that the fact that it has a little bit about everything, a little bit of everything, drama, there's romance, there's comedy. It just brings everything all together. That's why I absolutely love that show. And then The Outpost, and I'm sure you guys are going to argue with me about this one, but it's similar. It's similar to Blood and Treasure because it's, it's just a fun adventure. If you like Renaissance festivals, anything medieval, this would be a show for you because it, take, it takes you on an adventure and you have fun watching it. That's just the most, that's just the best part of it because you can watch a show like this and it's on the CW so the budget's not that big and a lot of the effects are not that great, especially with the first season. But with a show like this, you don't really care. You know, you just watch it for the entertaining aspect of it. And that's pretty much it. Uh, the second season just aired. They actually switched to shooting in Serbia. So yeah, it's a huge difference because they actually get to shoot at real castles instead of working on a set. So it looks a lot more authentic. So they don't need to green screen a whole bunch of stuff anymore. The overall look of the show is really, really good. They've brought a couple characters in this season that I'm not too fond of. And season two has yet to grow on me, but we'll see where it goes. So, but those are my first three shows that I like. So Casey, I noticed two of your three shows from the last almost 20 years of television have had one season. Well, I mean, I know Blood and Treasure will have two seasons, but in 20 years of television, two (laughs) of your top three have, have had one season worth of info in there. Yep. They all, yes, they've all had. There was nothing good that happened before 2016 for you. But like I said before, I never really watched TV live. This is when I've started watching TV live. So I always just guard everything. There are plenty of shows that I've watched and that I've been faithful through all 10, 14 seasons that they've been on the air, like Smallville and Supernatural. But the, the thing is, is that with shows like that, they start off really good, and then it just goes downhill. Like Agreed. Supernatural, the writing has just gone so downhill. It's like, oh, God, I, I, I just invested so much time into this show. I just have to finish this. But it's not like I want to watch the show. You know, especially with a show like that, I would say maybe after season four, that's when the show started going downhill. And I think that happens with a lot of shows. Mm-hmm. I also think oh, I also think it ties into the fact that when you start watching a show season one and you're invested from day one, it kind of changes your perspective a little bit because I too was a fan of Supernatural and I'm the same way. I think it's awful now. I like uh, Jensen. I like Jared, but it's like, why am I bothering when it's not the same show that premiered in 2005, which is also fine because shows do evolve. But I think if I would have started watching season one, episode one, and there would have been like the online following and... Eric uh, Kripke, Uh, if he would have been like tweeting along then, I probably would have been more invested and I probably would have stuck with it more because I feel like you, at that point, you're invested in the creator as well. But I agree. I think it's easier when you start in the beginning and you're invested from live. I feel like TV shows that somehow hit between the three to six season, that they, they are remembered as great. There are a few very long-running shows that I think a general audience would say is great. Right. Uh, one of my favorites, Grey's Anatomy, which won't be in my top three, because there are chunks of the 15 
years it's been on that I didn't enjoy. But there's been chunks, like, especially the beginning. And I understand, like, shows that have a whole lot of seasons, at some point, you're just like, where's the content? You know, cycling through writers. It's just not the same as when you started out. But I think there's a lot of shows that have several seasons. Your point is actually very interesting, because now that I'm looking at my top three, all of mine have over six seasons. Fascinating. Well, let's hear them. All right. I don't have them in a particular order, so I guess it's really debatable still, but my top three are House, which aired on Fox, SVU, which has been airing on NBC for the better half of this decade, and then The Walking Dead. So I've not probably watched as much TV as you guys. I kind of like Casey didn't really start watching TV live until the last few years. I was notorious for going online and binging seasons after. But one show I did watch when I was younger during like high school was House and I was drawn to it because I liked sarcasm and it kind of hit an extreme with House. So I saw like they had a creative plot. I'm very interested in weird medical aspects of things and I really liked that the cast was diverse and they had a really good chemistry. It also kind of revamped itself. So around season six, when the main characters you grew to love were starting to change and evolve, they added new characters and they were good new characters. A lot of shows have new characters they put in to kind of replace somebody leaving and they're not very good. So I think you also can appreciate that. And I think you always wanted to see what House was going to do next. And if he was going to eventually show that he was a human being or was he going to prove that he was complete a-hole? I liked that. And I think even though it had over six seasons, I think all nine nine seasons, I believe, were for the most part excellent. I picked SVU as my second show because I do think even though it's now on season 21? 20, 20 gazillion? It might be 20 gazillion at this point. But whatever season it's on, it's now hit the two-decade mark. So Regardless, it's record-breaking, it's time-changing, except for maybe The Simpsons. It's the longest-running show at this point that is episodic and procedural. And I think it's also groundbreaking for women, because probably back in the 90s when it first came out, anybody who ran a special victims unit might not have had the same values, and I think it made people want to come forward who had been sexually assaulted or were being abused as a child. And it brought forth a powerhouse female that you didn't see in TV as often probably until she was introduced. Mariska Hargitay is one of my favorite actresses of all time and I think despite the show being on so long and there are probably seasons that I don't enjoy as much because I was a big Benson and Stabler fan, not even in a romantic aspect, but I liked them as a duo. I really didn't enjoy the first few seasons while he was gone, but I think they also revamped it very well. And I think she gave a voice to the victims and that's something that's super important. And finally, my probably most recent show would be The Walking Dead. I admittedly in the past few months before this was saying the show had gone downhill. They, But they did something that was really cool and this is why it's on my top list. They switched showrunners for season nine. So Angela Kang became their showrunner. And she took a show that was falling in terms of viewership, in terms of interest all around, and they changed it so now that the show is kind of revamped. There's new fresh blood, and I mean that in sense of characters, not actual blood. But it's not just about the zombies. Like, it's a show about zombies, in a sense, but it's more about the characters. You can see there's something for everybody. The people on the show are so diverse. It's really changed cable TV, and the ratings were never expected for a show on AMC, so I don't think they really knew what to do with it for a while, so I think that's interesting. And I think overall, if you look at the special effects on the show, Greg Nicotero, who is also known for Jaws, does a phenomenal job. Like If you watch the behind the scenes and see how they set up each scene, 
it's so intricate and it's so it's very interesting to watch basically so that's why i picked my top three i like your top three wow I don't have an arguing point. Well, we don't always have to argue, so I guess that works. I know that's Here's true. my question, and you brought this up with SVU. With SVU, I stopped watching after the cast that you were talking about left, because I enjoyed Benson and Stabler as well. I also enjoyed, I can't think of Ice-T's character's name, but I also enjoyed him Finn. with Munch. Finn and Mom. Finn. Yeah, and, and Munch, and I loved them together. And then once that kind of broke up, it lost it, it the same aspect that it had for me. And that's when I stopped watching. I agree. I mean, I also was adamantly about not watching because I was bitter and I was younger at the time, obviously, was just mad that he left. And I do think the show hit a really good mark because they brought in a new character for an ADA to replace two characters that were very well known, obviously. I think he was the saving grace of the show because unlike House, the characters they brought in were not one-dimensional, but they weren't as good as what they had. But I think the ADA in Barba was amazing. But I agree. I understand what you're coming from. And I think it either is a hit or miss when you have to bring new characters in. So Now with a show like Walking Dead, where this is based on a pretty popular graphic novel, you find in that where they take a storyline that's different in the graphic novel and they, they just change it up for TV. Like, for instance, Norman Reedus's character, he's not even in the comics. What do you think about, you know, a show like that, that changes things? I think it's interesting, actually, because people expect them to follow the comics, and when they don't, people get really mad. So, for example, yeah, Daryl doesn't exist in the comics. He was a character, I think, introduced just because they liked... Norman Reedus as an actor, I believe. For example, in the comics, spoiler alert for anybody who has not seen or heard the news, the comics just recently ended, and the final scene is Carl, who is the son of Rick Grimes. But you're gonna end, you're going to spoil the end scene? It's all, I'm not spoiling the end scene, but it's all over the internet. Too bad. Doesn't matter. I haven't seen any of The Walking Dead yet. I will one day. <laughs> well, this is the whole point. They have a character on the show at right now that is no longer on the show, but is still alive in the comics. So they change things dramatically from the comics. One of my favorite characters, which was killed off in the last mid-season finale, is still alive in the comics. And he had this huge, great storyline. The actor was very involved in his character. And I think it frustrates the actors probably too, because they read their characters in the comics. Like, this is great. I'm going to have a scene with this guy. And then the showrunners change it. So I think it really, it can be a positive and a negative, depending on how they do it. Because they've stuck to some major plot points from the comics several times or they've changed it a little bit where there's a character that loses their arm in the comics but it's a different character on the show or vice versa but I think it really depends on how they do it and I think overall it's interesting to see how they don't come together and how they're different but I think at times there's certain scenes that you have to do the same way in the comics otherwise you're kind of just messing with the storyline but overall it's interesting to see how they will end the show knowing that the comics now no way, shape, or form match what you're going to see on the show. So it's kind of cool. So fascinating that Casey's like, hey, I didn't watch TV until now. And Ariel's is like, hey, I would like binge watch everything, but I'm just now watching live. For me, most of my TV watching experience has not had the opportunity to binge watch. I learned how to record shows. DVRs didn't exist when I was watching TV in high school, really in college there. Um, I have lots of VHSs of 
shows that I wanted to watch if I couldn't watch it live. So I have a gap. I have a a gap. I have a bunch of shows that I watched high school through like 19-ish. But when I went off to college, I did not watch a lot of TV. I didn't couldn't afford to pay for cable when I wasn't living on campus. When I was living on campus, you only watch TV in the lobby area. So really like there's this huge chunk of my life where I didn't watch TV. And now I do all of the streaming services. So it's kind of weird. Like we all have very different perspectives on what we were able to watch. Coming up with my top three was actually really, really hard for me. My top two was easy. Alias. I loved Alias. Uh, that was one that I had to watch live. I remember it was actually my mom's best friend who introduced me to it. I fell in love with Sydney Bristow. It was the first time on television that I saw a kick-ass female owning it, taking charge, making her own destiny, and plus all of the Rambaldi artifacts and making that interesting twist on it. Every single day was an adventure, and I really enjoyed that. And to this day, I keep praying that one day they're going to be like, and we're doing a reboot, but it hasn't happened, and it may never happen, but I want it to because... Alias is one of those shows that I remember fondly. I really wanted to put Seventh Heaven as my other one, but I figured somebody would kill me if I selected that as my top three. You're allowed. So, well, I didn't, but I that one did shape me quite a bit. But for my second top three, I actually went with Breaking Bad because I feel like that show changed a lot of uh, television viewership. Breaking Bad was very different type of, of show. And I actually didn't watch it in the beginning. I didn't, I think I started at season two, like halfway through season two is when I found it. I was like, oh, I should actually start watching this. And then I binged it and I loved it. I think it's, I think it's fun that we were rooting for a bad guy that was a good guy. I mean, what women, you, you feel bad. You have cancer, you're trying to provide for your family, so you decide to make meth and then you make the best in the world because you're going to do everything only the best. And then you get lost in the way that you're trying to do it and how he just destroyed so much, but you were still rooting for him. I, I love it. I love the way that they shot it. I I loved the storyline. So many twists and turns and whoa, I didn't see that coming. And I'm not going to spoil it because even though it's been out and done for years, someone might not have seen it yet. And my number one is going to be Big Bang Theory. Not nothing but There's nothing better than Big Bang Theory. Comedy, multi-camera, live audience. You know, most of the time people think dramas are like, oh, these are the best ones. But that for seasons and i'm so sad that it's over now you fell in love with a group of friends you fell in love with nerds people that were different that are smarter than anything that you could possibly think of but you related to them because you're like oh i have this weird smartness on this factor and you feel bad for leonard when you're like you have that roommate and not everyone can handle a sheldon in their life but you relate because you're like, I have that person that I love them anyways, even if they annoy me and I still want to take care of them. And they kind of became a family and super relatable. They got people into science. I mean, combining science and comedy, I feel is can be really difficult, but they did it in such a way that even if you didn't understand half of what was going on in the scientific terms, you still enjoyed it. I own every single season on DVD. I, in a world where we don't own things on DVD anymore, I'm like, that is going to be something I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Always my Big Bang Theory. Did you watch Big Bang from the very beginning or did you also? Oh. I watched Big Bang from season one. Fun fact. Every year on the Black Friday sale, Target puts whatever that last season was. And well, now they've done a couple seasons beyond that too. 
on a ridiculous cheap price. I think it was like ten ninety nine or something like that on the Black Friday sale for the season DVD. So every year, my sister got that for me for Christmas, and this year's going to be the last year she can do that for me. She's going to need a new gift. I know. I'm, I'm going to be sad when I get the last one. But yes, I've watched it, and I watch it over again. It is something that I can easily throw into my DVD player. You can watch any season at any point and just die of laughter. Here's the thing that I have problems with with Big Bang. I've also been watching that since day one. But the problem that I have with it is that in the beginning of the show, Leonard was really whiny and annoying and quirky, and they changed his character to be less whiny, if that's possible, because he still kind of whines a lot, but they changed his character a little bit. Did you find that odd at all? No, I, f- I found it to be personal growth, really. I mean, yeah, his character did change. I don't think you could have the Penny Leonard relationship if his character didn't change a bit because um, Penny wouldn't have put up with that with his whiny quirky self I felt like they might have made him not maybe necessarily made him a little less smart but you saw a little less nerd out of him I think as the seasons went on and a little bit more of the I have this line between being normal and being smart and I'm gonna tow it really carefully but I really figure I think the Leonard character from the beginning to where we ended might have had I know Sheldon probably had the best personal growth, but I think he had the biggest character transformation. Did you like the way the show ended? A little bit. I mean, I understand. <laughs> For me, I would have wanted more. I understand where the cast was coming from of how many seasons can you tell the same type of jokes? How many seasons can you do the same type of things? And so they they needed to end it and they needed to move on. I just felt I was hoping for a bigger arch over the last season. And it really felt like we have all of these major things going on. And now let's quickly tie it up in a bow and make you feel okay about it. And that was kind of hard for me. I think they focused way too much on, spoiler alert, getting Sheldon his Nobel Prize. And I think that arc overtook everything else of the last season. And I really wish they focused a lot more on the other characters because the show is not just about Sheldon. It's about all of them. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that they ended the story well, in my opinion, but that's just me. I mean, I I would have wished it would have been a little bit different of like, hey, here we go. We're all flying. We're all flying out to, where did they fly to? Where is the Nobel Prize at? It's Geneva, isn't it? Yeah, Geneva, right? Pretty positive. I'm pretty positive it's in Geneva. I don't remember it. They flew over to the other side of the world. And then literally it had to wrap up in three minutes. Sheldon does his big speech and like Sheldon's wrapping up the entire thing. And then it's done. Like to me, it just felt like so, okay, it happened and we're done. And I agree with that, that it was definitely difficult. I would have liked to see more. I'm maybe not such a huge fan of like the Howard Bernadette and I would have really liked to see Raj, Raj's character develop a little more. I would have liked him to end up with someone because they kept teasing that and toying it. And it's like, oh, he's finally going to get it for them just to, for no reason, have him explode it up and destroy it. And I never understood when you're like, oh, he finally gets somebody. Why did you just end it the way you just did? Like things were going well for them. And, and just to beat, you got rid of it. Agreed. That ties into section three. It does tie to section three. I should just kind of continue that just a little bit. A show that we all want to promote that we want you, everyone else to watch. For me, that is the Big Bang Theory, which we have just been discussing. I feel 
that there is so much to gain and so much to learn. It really put an emphasis on science, on STEM programs, on female in science. It was funny. There was a lot of things that we can relate to. For me, one of the biggest moments was when Sheldon said his favorite number was 73. Because (laughs) I have an odd quirk that I hate even numbers. And I hate even odd numbers. So 11, 33, 77, or 15, 25, 35, 45. I don't like even odd numbers. And I don't like odd numbers. I mean, I don't like even numbers. I like a strong odd number. And people find that weird, but I have a very strong preference on this. And for the longest time, since middle school maybe beginning of high school my favorite number was 73 and everyone would ask me why and I was like it's a strong odd number it's my favorite number I remember this was back before DVRs YouTube was existing where people were you know grabbing YouTube clips and putting them on the internet but I was in the hospital well I wasn't in the hospital my mom was having surgery and I was at the hospital with my mom and my brother called me and he goes did you watch Big Bang last night and I was like no I was with mom and he goes pull up the YouTube clip watch the monologue and the very beginning was Sheldon talking about his favorite number being 73 and the monologue is fantastic and I was like he gets me he understands something that no one else in the world has ever understood about me and my love of this really weird odd number and why I was right all along 73 is the best number and Sheldon Cooper agrees but everyone can find that thing where they can relate to their odd quirk and be like that's me I have a hard time talking to someone of the other sex I'm Raj or I don't get the social cues I'm Sheldon like there's just there's a way that you can be like in this moment I see me and you and you can find that with any character and we are all so weird and unique and feel like an outcast and you can find a way that you're not the outcast anymore Do you think, though, because it's somewhat science-based, it'd be harder for some people to get into it? Or do you think you can overlook the science aspect of it and it's still funny all around? Oh, it's still funny all the way around. I mean, you can relate to Penny, who knows nothing about science. Okay. And they do a great job with that. I mean, Penny, who's trying to be an actress and working at, you know, the cheese... Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. I just realized, though, like, the Cheesecake Factory in the TV show is nothing like a real Cheesecake Factory. Uh, Working at the Cheesecake Factory is so many young females' ideas of what I want to do. I want to move to L.A. I want to get into television or movies. I want to act, and I'm going to be a waitress. And then she's living next to these extreme nerds that she can't relate to on any level at all. And yet somehow she ends up marrying one of them. How does that happen? Uh, there's, there's a way for everyone to be able to relate in some way and see themselves in one of those characters, even if they don't understand science. Because they break it down for us too, because I don't understand half of it. Interesting. Watch it. You'll love it. Maybe. I'm not big on comedy, so we'll see. Casey. What's your show that you want us to watch? I'm going to tell you why you should be watching Outlander. Basically, the show is, what it comes down to is just a love story. So we start with Claire, and she's married. It's the 1940s. It's just after World War II. She was a combat nurse, and her husband was in, uh, in the war as well. They spent a lot of their marriage apart, and they go on a second honeymoon to Scotland. And she's thrusted back into time in this i think it's 1743 that she gets goes back in time and she ends up getting captured and ends up falling in love with a scottish highlander and that's where our story kind of takes place so basically she's torn between two loves you know loved her old life loved frank but she's also met this new guy and she's fallen in love with him 
And I think one of the biggest things that drew me to this show, having to make that choice, because she loved Frank, no doubt, but she fell in love with Jamie. I think that is a huge difference because you can love someone without being in love with them. And one of the best lines of the show came from Claire's daughter. She said, I've seen a marriage out of obligation and I've seen a marriage out of love. And I think that just pretty much culminates the whole entire show because she loved Frank, but she fell in love with Jamie. And I think watching the show and watching them fall in love is pretty much the whole story. And I think that it just comes down to a great love story. And in addition to being a great love story and period pieces, I also enjoyed the, uh, the wardrobe and the set because there's just so much attention to detail with these. It's phenomenal. Claire, in season two, Claire's wearing this beautiful red dress. She comes down, she's going to a party, and she's just stunning. There's just so much detail and time that's, that takes place for these set designs and all these wardrobes, especially getting these period pieces correct. And for me, that helps set the scene and makes the show a little bit more believable. And also that it's actually shot in Scotland. A lot of the show takes place in Scotland and it's shot in Scotland. So they don't need to green screen a whole lot of things. You're actually looking at these monuments and whatever else you need to. The scenery, it's just beautiful. Everything about this show is beautiful. It does take a little bit of time to pick up. It is a little slow in the beginning, but if you stick with it, I think you'll fall in love with these characters too. I can't easily, if I'm not grabbed at the beginning, I got a little bit of ADD in me. I'm Same gonna, here. I'm gonna walk away. I, you know what? I got. I usually give shows three to four episodes. If, if it hasn't captivated me in that time, I'm done with it. This show took like seven or eight episodes, but I stuck with it. I'm not a huge fan of period pieces. I think we have very different tastes, Casey. I, I don't, don't want to go back in time. I want to stay mean, right where I am with my modern things, or I'll go into the future. You want to go into the future? I'm gonna be a future. <laughs> I mean, I can't argue that. I think that I haven't, I've heard a lot of good things about the show. So I feel like it's probably something I would watch, but I'm not sure if I'd stick with it for the same reasons. But I guess it's, it's worth at least checking out because I think it, I think it's worth at least giving it something because it's different. I don't think you see a lot of shows today that are like time pieces in sense of a love story. It's more about the action. It's more about like the fantasy or the et cetera, things like that. But uh, to move things along, my show was Flashpoint, which has been off the air for some time now. It is a police procedural, but it's not your typical police procedural. It's kind of SWAT meets Criminal Minds. That's how I've described it, because it has the profiling aspect, which you see in Criminal Minds, and it has like the knocking down doors, the brute force of SWAT. So if you like the profiling, there's something for you. If you like the action, there's something for you. But one thing that stuck with me from the very first episode, which is a phenomenal pilot, by the way, it's to, they want to bring everybody home safe. It's not, they don't want to go get the bad guy and kill him on the spot. The flashpoint is where you get to having to pull that trigger a lot of the times, but the whole point for the characters is to get somebody down before they hit that point, which is my biggest point of all, that the characters are phenomenal. They're all cops. They're in a special team. It takes a lot of work to get into it, but they're not superhuman. And I feel like a lot of uh, procedurals, especially police procedurals, tend to make the cops superhuman. There's no effort put in to flaw them 
or show that they have their own sense of like human human aspect to them so you'll see throughout the entire show how the team leader parker struggles with his role as leader and he falls back on his first in command which is ed lane or you see how there's a love interest between two characters and how they struggle to keep their jobs but also follow their hearts and there's a couple pretty big scenes which I will not spoil because you need to see this firsthand yourself that you realize how precious life is and then it also makes them relatable like you can fall in love with the female character whose name is Jules and you want to be her you want to become her but you also can understand the nerdy character which I think Beth would like whose name is Spike he's a tech guru and he kind of is a little bit awkward or you might like Sam who's ex-military and kind of Mr. Suave but beyond that they don't shy away from the big bad storylines that some shows have done in recent years and they kind of did it before it was super popular so right now there's a lot of division in the world and they did storylines on um, wrongful shootings they've done storylines on racism and they do it in a way that you can see it from both sides and it's not like you have to pick a side they make it very very much something where you can enjoy the show but not feel like you have to turn it off because it's political or etc. So if you like action, if you like profiling, and if you like good characters, flashpoints for you. I mean, I won't, dis- I won't disagree with you. I haven't seen it, but I'm an action-adventure TV show type of a person, so you got me sold. My biggest problem with cop shows is that there's so many out there. You know, it really needs to be different from all the others for me to actually sit down and watch it. I will say, because we're all fans of The Brave, if you like The Brave for the chemistry, you will like Flashpoint for the exact same reason. They have such a good dynamic. They have such a good natural chemistry between the actors. So I think that's what will sell you beyond just the police aspect of it. I guess that would bring us to our final segment, which is what we are calling So Controversial. So each week we are going to discuss something in the news or something we find relative to kind of bring in something that might not be your typical TV piece. Uh, So this week we have Danielle Brioli. You might remember her from Cash Me Outside from Dr. Phil. She was a bratty teenage girl who did not believe that she had to like listen to her mother and a whole mess of things. You can Google her. She's kind of a bit, I would say, over the top, but she just signed a lucrative deal and she is going to be making a lot of money off of it. So my question and our question, I guess, to each other would be, is this appropriate? Should she have this fame? Does this take away from people who work hard to get where they are in the spotlight? Or do you think uh, Dr. Phil has a kind of wrongdoing in this What do you guys think? Poor Dr. Phil. I don't... Dr. Phil really tries to do the best for the people that he brings onto his show. And I honestly, if he would have known what has happened, I don't think he would have brought her on the show at all. I completely disagree. He's not about promoting this type of behavior. Completely disagree. Same here. I mean, people go on this show to, you know, they're airing out their dirty laundry on national TV, you know? They want to be stars. That's the problem. They do. But Dr. Phil wants to try to get them help and no, in a he way wants that, people to watch his show well, exactly of course, everyone, everyone wants people to watch a show but he also tries to get people the help that they need a whole lot like that that is his goal is to get the people the help and yeah you have to have drama you have to have the big what the heck cases in order for people to want to watch the television show for people to want to sponsor the show for him to make money 
for them to be able to do some of these things. But I don't think he's per- trying to promote this teenage girl and her cash me outside at all. How about that? Um, How about that? <laughs> no, I... I- I understand where that comes from, but when you put somebody on TV and you know millions of people are watching your network, he has to realize, even if he has the best of intentions to help her, that he's causing, especially in today's world where everything goes viral, that it's going to go viral. Somebody, even like 10 years ago, if this would have happened back then, it would have been a big deal, I, I think, but now that everything is so accessible and people want that, they want, I think a lot of things that like, people like her, they do this people at least feel they need to do this and watch this because they need to feel better about themselves. Like, you turn on Dr. Phil, you turn on Maury, you turn on any other one of those people that tend to help others. And doesn't help anybody. <laughs> it, well, that's debatable too, I guess you could say. But you turn this on because you want to feel better about your own personal life. Like, hey, at least I'm not on TV saying, cash me outside. Or at least I know who my baby's father is. And I think that's why people tune into it. It's also why TLC has such a huge following in dumb shows like 19 Kids and Counting, like Big uh, Hey, that's Big better Girl. than My Strange Habit. Exactly. That's what I mean. We turn it on because it's something that you want to make yourself feel better about. Like, oh, wow, if these people are on there or My 600 Pound Life or all the ridiculous shows that TLC has multiple upon multiple seasons where these people don't, they it's a quick draw to get money and then they go away with it. So I guess that is my also other point that it's a quick reward, but unless they stay relevant, what is the point? Like look at all these people on Instagram and different social media places where they try to make YouTube videos and they have, they try to keep this, but. So that was exactly one of my points is our culture has done this. Social media influencers, like be an influencer. I was listening to the radio and they're like, why don't you be a music influencer? And I'm like, stop with the influencer word. Stop promoting people to sit around and YouTube their families and put it out there so that they can get more stuff and go on trips and do all of these other things. Our culture has created this. If our culture didn't care about cash me outside, how about that? <laughs> she wouldn't be she wouldn't be famous. We as a culture clung on to it. We are the ones that gave her that platform. Maybe not me specifically because I think it's ridiculous, but American culture said, I want to cling on to this. And that is how she got the lucrative deal. She wouldn't have had this deal. She wouldn't have gone viral. She wouldn't have been made famous if we didn't want to absorb it as a culture. It's a cultural problem, plain and simple. We created this monster and we will continue to create these monsters. And it sucks for the people that are sane and normal and trying to work hard and trying to do the right things and can't quite get it because they're not willing to sell their soul and advertise and say funny things and do extreme stunts. And you see all the people that are dying, all these YouTube stars and Instagram stars to get the perfect shot to do the the weird prank. People are going to court and jail for some of the pranks that they're pulling because they're trying to get more views. And it is a culture that we are creating because we suck into that and we watch it. And I hate it. The other point I want to make is that with something like this, she signed this lucrative deal. But the problem is is she's not going to get all that money unless she sells. So that, again, goes with what Beth is saying, where, you know, if social media and everyone's going to click on this stuff and buy her stuff, if they think she's that good, then she'll get all that money. She's not going to get all that money unless she sells. Everybody loves a good comeback story, though, so that'll sell. I don't want her to sell. No comeback. Go away. (laughs) I ain't cashing you outside. Maybe you'll cash her inside. No, I won't cash her at all. (laughs) 
How about that? I think it also brings uh, forth the question is how long does this last? Like YouTube, like creators were huge, 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 like maybe three or four years ago. Like look at Bethany Moda who got on to Dancing with the Stars and things like that. But now I think it's kind of shifted from YouTube where there's still plenty of people creating YouTube and there's just VidCon and all that. But now I think it's much more focused on Instagram and posting a picture of your avocado toast because it's so millennial and pretty and blah, blah, blah. But what happens when that trend burns out? Do we have a next trend? What does that... Always. MySpace. You don't remember the days of MySpace. I do remember the days of MySpace. Thank you very much. Big Foley was in my top eight. Okay. MySpace, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, Snapchat. There's going to be something next. There always will be. We just don't know what it is yet. Right now, she is the next big thing. And people are gonna eventually get tired of it when i when i hear this story i think of um i don't know if you guys will remember this do you remember william hung from um american idol (gasps) yes exactly (laughs) where is he now exactly that's what it's gonna be she's right now she's the it thing and she's just gonna fade away like everyone else does i mean it doesn't also i think in some terms and I know this is a bad example, but this is the only person I can think of off the top of my head. But look at Justin Bieber. He was discovered on YouTube. He, as much as he's controversial in his own right, and he does a lot of stupid things, I would definitely say since being discovered by Usher, he has worked his tail off and he's done a lot of things. And if there wasn't that platform, I don't think he would have been discovered. Maybe not as fast, but at least he had that platform and it gave him that sort of thing. And it's the same thing with not on a bigger scale but American Idol America's Got Talent yeah exactly like these people still work their like tail off but it wasn't the same thing in the 90s because it didn't exist so I guess it's a double-edged sword gives the average person a chance to try to become famous sometimes that's a good thing most of the time it is not I'm gonna make my cat an Instagram and I'm gonna become rich Riley has an Instagram (laughs) there you go but I don't overly do anything with it so I'm not trying to become rich off of it that's your own fault (laughs) (laughs) well i think this was a fun first podcast talking about a few different things i mean obviously we don't always see eye to eye but it was really fun to agree on a few things i will check out flashpoint i will probably not check out outlander i'll check out outlander you're really missing out i'll give it one episode so much fun watching this show together and it's actually one of the only shows that we do watch together interesting all right I'll, g- I'll give it one episode and I'll let you know. You have to give it more than one episode. Give it at least three. That's oh, too much time in my life. Um, and in the meantime, we can cash Beth outside. How about that? Oh my goodness. Shaking my head. You can't see it, but I'm shaking it. Cashing it. Oh Lord. Well, Big Big Fairy, <laughs> please, you have to watch that, Ariel. Yeah, you have to. I'm going to watch it at the Flashpoint. We'll see. I'll start watching Breaking Bad, Beth. Okay, you will like that. I will probably start watching that too. I mean, it's on my list of never-ending shows, so it'll get there in the next 10 years. Everyone keeps telling me, you've got to watch that show. It's so good. Careful, it'll suck you in. It'll suck you in. All right. I bunch-watched three seasons of Stranger Things, so that happened do you like that show actually yeah i didn't think i would i didn't think i would at all i I don't understand what it was cannot get into that show i've i've seen every season every episode i just can't get into that i don't know i don't understand what the draw is of that show you don't like the mind flayer no i haven't seen it la 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 i don't think me saying mind flayer will actually do anything to change it sounds vaguely 
horrible. The only thing that I really enjoy about that is seeing the character development, mostly with Steve. Oh, I love Steve. He's awesome. I mean, he was a douche in the first season. I know. So much. And that's why we love him. Yes. Wow. If Casey used the word douche, he must be really bad. He was was awesome in the first season. He was bad. (laughs) We did not like him. But we love Steve now. Steve Harrington. Team Steve. All right, ladies, that was a really fun podcast. I can't wait to get together with you again and argue and agree and try to convince someone's mind to change a little bit. Guys have forward to it. An awesome week. Watch the shows. Maybe. And we'll talk again soon, right, Casey? Yes, we will. Woohoo! Goodbye.